When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're continuing on with our expectations series here today. And, and for those of you who are just listening to the first one of these, there's probably not too many like that. But we're taking two disparate players, one offense and one defense, and we're talking about them each individually in terms of uh, what make what might make a good and a great year for each of those players. Talk about a lot of the background for each of them, too. The reason for this is we're trying to have more analysts on and get them an opportunity to opine on the current state of positional groups and where they think players are. We'll have those position group shows later, uh, but we're trying specifically to avoid uh, you know, direct competitions or, or uh, compare and contrast between two safeties or that kind of thing. We're looking to just look at two separate players and their individual uh, kind of w- what would make a good season for them and how would they fit into this team best. Joining me to do that today is Alec Pulianis of Ravens. Re- I'm sorry, of one winning pod. How you doing, Alec? Yeah. Hey, no problem. I, I still think of it as Ravens recap in my head sometimes. I'll be honest. So all good. But yeah, doing well. Um, we're going to talk about actually two offensive players today, but one that's a huge name and then one that's kind of fighting for uh, relevancy, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so first we'll cover Mark Andrews, the tight end one of the year. Absolutely. You know, coming off an all pro season, it would be very hard uh, to find the ways in which Mark Andrews could improve his season. I mean, obviously an an enormous year uh, last year had, I think about 150 targets. I have to go back and actually look at this target 153 times. So 107 receptions, good catch rate, uh, right under 70%. It's actually the highest of Mark Andrews career. And that's been something that's 
you know, plagued him a little bit as a lower catch rate as a tight end. Uh, yards per target were, were in there just slightly below nine at 8.9. That's very good. Um, but the, 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 the totals of 107 receptions and 1,361 yards, it's hard for me to see him duplicating those. Yeah, that's one of the big things in the fantasy community that's been talked about is just the offense had to change due to um, how the running game was last year. And also with Lamar being out, they started passing more because they were behind. So are you going to be able to see that same level of volume? Is he going to get 153 targets again? And honestly, probably he shouldn't, right? I think something's probably going Hope wrong. Not. If, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, he, if he's seeing that kind of volume, despite being a total game changer, uh, there's probably something wrong with the offense. We probably don't have leads. Um, the other players aren't stepping up, et cetera. So uh, this was a historic season for him, um, but I kind of hope statistically he doesn't repeat it, but maybe performance-wise, yes. Yeah, and I, and I think that's where I am too. If he could if he could increase or, 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 or uh, maintain some of the rate statistics he had while taking less targets, I think that would be pretty good. Uh, you know, there's, there's some things I am looking for. I want his connection with Lamar Jackson to remain very obvious to everyone. I mean, you go to camp and you see – He's a disproportionate share of the 11 on 11 camp targets, which is kind of, <laughs> kind of weird, but that's definitely true. Uh, I want him to continue to be an outstanding uh, extended play option. He's done some things that are just wonderful in terms of uh, he and Lamar understanding exactly what open space he's going to go to on a extended play where Lamar is, say, rolling out of the pocket to the right. Uh, we all remember, I think, the, the play, I guess it was against the Colts, uh, so maybe we don't all remember every detail about it, where he he caught a ball uh, far down the right sideline as he was being interfered with 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 a one handed grab. Oh right, and, yeah. and went to the ground. So that was uh, that was very impressive. But that that same mindedness with Jackson has served Andrews very well to this point. Oh yeah, definitely on the same brain when they start street balling. Um, one of the big things I'm hoping for in 2022 is that he helps mentor uh, Kolar and likely. Obviously, Kohler's looked up to him all through college. I mean, who wouldn't? But at the same time, those two players could be huge for this offense. And anything he can do to help you know, their development as young rookies would be fantastic. Um, I'm really high on both of them. I'm very excited about what we might see. So my big thing is I'm hoping Mark Andrews can spread some of his uh, tips of the trade and help them uh, really excel in the NFL. Yeah, that, that'd be, a, I think, a very reasonable hope. I don't think there'd be any uh, harm in Mark doing that. He's not going to lose playing time to either of these rookies, frankly. Uh, right. he, his, his playing time may actually be reduced just because these rookies offer another option, but he's not going to lose uh, salary. He's not going to lose uh, you know, uh, contract status because of, of who he is. He's still Mark Andrews, and if his snaps decreased uh, slightly in terms of a percentage, I think it would be more of a – Keeping him rested, making sure that he's 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 ready for the next play, kind of thing. Kolar, yep. similar player in a lot of ways. You know, a, a nice guy who's in on the efficient frontier of size and speed, good hands to get a, make the catch away from the body. Uh, Andrews probably has a lot he can teach him about about uh, boxing up, finding space and zone in the NFL. Uh, he's certainly been a very similar target at Iowa State in terms of getting a ton of targets. Yeah, soft hands, and you know, obviously if there's any backwards uh you know reverse mentoring so to speak that can happen that's great too but um yeah i just i just hope you know mark andrews now uh has his big contract he's now one of the leaders of the team so i guess for me i'm i'm looking for a little bit of that leadership not that he hasn't shown it before or exhibited that but i think that's a huge part of his next stage of his career yeah i think i think that's fair you know entering his fifth year he's certainly 
he certainly ought to be there. Uh, you know, we haven't talked much about his blocking, but Mark Andrews has improved significantly since he entered the league as a blocker. He wasn't terrible. He's always been okay, but he really has improved each year a, a, a little bit in terms of what he can do as a blocker. And most of what he does right now is in level two and level three, not at the end of the line. He can help you out a little bit. Uh, almost never pass blocks, but but in, in the run game, he can help you out a little bit with some blocks at the line of scrimmage. But he's a lot more valuable keeping his feet in level two and level three against a smaller man. And that's something the Ravens really use very well in their run game. And, and uh, Andrews is quite valuable to them for that role alone. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's one of the big things I spoke about last season. I remember just obviously it's not sexy. There's no stat for it. But mm-hmm. um, how many times did we see him unlock a run that went for a touchdown or uh, you know enable the first down? It was countless times throughout the yep. season. He, he was uh, essential for many of the blocks um, that set up big plays. So uh, you're exactly right, Ken. Um, obviously, improvement every year. That's another great thing to teach these developmental prospects uh both these tight ends uh Kohler like willing blocker he has the frame for it but he hasn't quite um demonstrated it yet and then likely he's a little bit of a, a little bit smaller not like unbearably small that he can't perform at that level but um definitely a, a something in his game that needs to improve yeah I, I I would agree and 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 both of them Kolar likely more than Kolar is more likely to be valuable as a level two slash three blocker. Uh, Kolar probably might have the frame for being a move tight end in the NFL. It's, it's funny because likely he's the guy who's played it in college. And yet I think he might not really be the ideal guy to be a move tight end in the NFL. He might, he might be more of a guy you line up at the end of the line or, or flexed in order to get that release off the line of scrimmage, which allows him actually to get to the top of the route stem and, and, and make his choices uh, from there that can, that can fool a defender. Whereas Kolar is more of a guy, I think you get him in motion. You may you you could do you can do both things with him. You can you can release him from the line of scrimmage. Uh, he can be you know certainly a weapon in play action. Uh, I think and and uh, we'll see how he's used. It's it's going to be interesting for Andrews that I think he could help both these guys by peeling a layer of the defense off. Can help the wide receivers for that matter too. And it'll be a big thing that he contributes to the team is now that Brown is gone. Mm-hmm. I am my probably my biggest concern about the Ravens offense right now is that they don't have the legitimate deep threat that can peel the, 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 the lid off the defense in a way that takes two men with it, not just one. So it, it has to be your Duvernay guy mm-hmm. or whoever it ends up being on this team needs to be a guy who, who commands bracket coverage on the back end that allows you then to, to create a lot of space underneath. And the Ravens have, Ways to do that. Roman's offense is very good about creating space underneath, even when they're focusing a lot of their balls on the middle of the field. But uh, but it, it, it'd be ideal if Andrews could could take over some of that role of being a receiver who commands that double. I think he really does anyway, or, or certainly will this year. Other teams look at him that way instead of looking at Brown that way in terms of you know having to bracket him because of his extreme speed, having to bracket him because of the extreme talent catching the football. And then that, that leads to open receivers elsewhere for Lamar. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, he's the wide receiver too right now. Um, and, and tight end one. So he has a lot of responsibility, uh, as the team currently is and, and he will, no matter what, there's no way that he's not a huge part of it. Now, uh, one of the nice things you like about the, the Ravens tight end group, Andrews, Kolar, likely and Boyle are a great starting pool for 13 personnel groupings. I'm not including Josh Oliver. I don't think he's going to make the team, frankly. I, I'm no. We're not including him in this series. So you know, <laughs> yeah. it is, it's the way it is. I, I just, I just don't see a way that he makes the team. Maybe if there's always, if depth doesn't hold up, you would like to have 
four active tight ends, which is unusual for an NFL team, but you really want to have a four to make three situation. It's just like the Ravens. If they want to play a bunch of quarter packages that have four safeties, they really want to have five on the roster. So you, you just can't count up on your in-season that can't count on your in-season depth holding up in the same way. If you want quality guys, you, you got to stack them up at the beginning of the year. Whatever's going to be available on the street at mid-season is not going to be necessarily what you want to fill out the, uh, the, the, the last guy in your 13 personnel package. Yeah, for sure. I think I'll be a big part of the uh, strategy this year. So having four to make three is, is great. And honestly, I'm not worried about the fact that we'll carry four and it's unusual because I think, uh, their their versatile players are really going to unlock a lot of opportunities in the offense, mm-hmm. and that's what you want, right? Uh, as long as you can field an offense and you are able to create, you know, winning situations, uh, I don't really care exactly what the personnel is to do it. Yeah, I, I agree, and the, and those guys will play special teams at yep. the at the bottom end of the tight end. Andrews won't, but the others will. And uh, you know, if, for for that reason, I don't think you have a problem. There is there's a real question of, over whether Boyle makes the team or not, which. That could be another reason why a player like Oliver gets a chance. But I think the fact that Boyle is the team's best blocker still uh, probably will get him the spot. They'll hope that he's healthy. There's not a big savings from cutting him at this point. They could steal some money from 23 and bring it back into 22, which is a legitimate strategy they might want to use uh, for this year by making him a post-June 1 cut. But it's still it's really not even that much. It might be a million and a half or thereabouts. It's it's not a huge number. So uh my guess is that Boyle probably is a Raven this year and, and they, uh, they don't try and replace him. I don't think they want to. It'd be health related, if anything. And it yeah. sounds like uh, he's on the right track. So praying that that's the case. All right. Well, let's talk about what is a good and a great outcome. Unless I'm, I'm shortchanging this with any additional things you want to say about Andrews before we get to this. Okay, okay let's talk about what's a, what, what is a good and a great outcome. So we've, we've been doing this just to have a little bit of fun. So a, a good outcome, we'll call you know, a, you know, a 50th or 60th percentile outcome for the season. Uh, what would you hope for from Mark Andrews? And, and I've tried to stay away from, I'll just tell you, from statistics and awards because they depend on other people and voters and whether or not Kelsey has a big year and this and that. And I, I don't want to... I don't want to get into that. I, I wanted to be more qualitative about it, uh, given I think what is a very mutable nature of how the Ravens offense may play out, given how effective they are, frankly, on both offense and defense in terms of managing leads. Yeah. I mean, I guess uh, it's good and excellent, in my opinion, but 20 healthy games would be great. 20 healthy games. Do you take <laughs> that? That would You're right. That would be good. I, 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 honestly, my, my biggest thing for Mark Andrews is just do your thing, be available, and uh, that would be great. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, honestly, I mean, there's more that can be said, obviously, but like that's that's really my. I guess that's my good case. Excellent will be everything on top. <laughs> All right, I've got my good. I went from a slightly different angle here, so maybe we're just with different flavors of the same thing. But I think that would be honestly a great thing. What you just talked about. My good is that Andrews continues to produce at a high level from a rate perspective. So something close to nine yards per target. Again, I don't want to really get into specific numbers, but from a rate pers- perspective, per catch, per target. Uh, catch percentage, those kind of things uh, are all similar, but he does it in fewer targets. And I'm fine with that because I think that's the natural course of this offense is to spread the ball out more and to pass less in total. So if yeah. if Andrews goes from 150 to 125 targets, for, for my mind, that'll be fine. As long as he's healthy, those, those games. Yep. I mean, he was 69.9% catch rate this year. And uh, what I was going to say for for excellent is that it's a 70, like there's a seven in front. Um, that'd be excellent for him to be able to bump up that catch rate a little bit. Um, and, and like you said, not, not so much worried about the, the total volume, just the, the rates, mm-hmm. uh, average yards per target, et cetera. Yep. 
All right. And I had for, for the great, I had, he essentially duplicates his 2021 all pro season. I'm not talking about the award. If Kelsey wins it and he's all pro second team or whatever, that's fine. And, and he helps balance the offense uh, for a playoff run. And that part is, is really not uh, negotiable. <laughs> he has to actually do that. The, the Ravens have to, you know, finish 10 and seven or better, make the playoffs and that, that he's a part of, of balancing this offense. I think if he's missing, um, you, you don't you don't really get that, and uh, and obviously if he's missing at the end of the year, uh, the Ravens probably don't get very far in the playoffs. Yep, he's critical to our success. So, just health that's almost number one, right? There you go. Okay, I like your twenty twenty healthy games is a, is definitely a a great for from my book. Let's move <laughs> on and, and talk about Tyree Phillips, a, a guy who um, had a very difficult year, frankly, in in twenty twenty one. Uh, got opportunities and they did not really work out for him. So I'm going to go to my scoring chart over here and just talk about what his grades were. So he came in and he, and he started, he played guard. I believe he started at guard in the first game yeah, left guard, and played 29 snaps. And then he got hurt. And of course, that's also the game where we found out Ronnie Stanley couldn't play anymore. He actually, I think Stanley might've finished the game, but he played very poorly. Correct. And he was then the, starting the next week, he wasn't around anymore. And Phillips, uh, uh, you know, scored a D in that game, had two more snaps at guard for the year. And the rest, rest of his play was as a backup tackle where we hoped he could provide something to the Ravens in, in that role. Of course, switching roles in, in season, we can start making excuses for him and whatnot. He played tackle all the time in college. I'm not going to do it. Um, his, his grades in six games of 20 plus snaps as I scored it were D and then a B plus against Minnesota is high point, a D, an F, a D and a D that ain't going to do it. And, uh, I, you know, I, I do have a tough grading curve. I said, I don't have a lenient grading curve, certainly. Um, but he, he, he really did not get it done at tackle in the, in the, uh, uh, times he had, uh, was in there called upon to play. Uh, you know, we had McCary missing some time in there and he was, he was in there for that. And I think he was in there at right tackle, uh, for some early in the, in the earlier in the season, I'm trying to remember exactly what the reason was that, he, yeah. that he was there. But anyway, um, uh, not a good season, obviously tackle really needs to improve on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just hope they give up with him on the tackle. I don't think he has the feed for it. And like, that's the big thing, uh, is that he's just, I think he's a guard in the NFL and um, remind me. So you said 29 is enough snaps for you to score the game. Yeah. Um, So what was the, what was his grade for uh, left guard? I think uh, his grade at left guard was he only had, well, he had one B B plus one F and all the other games were D's. Okay. So D. D. Okay. I didn't, I I thought he only, you said he only played left guard then though. Uh, Oh no, no, no. Left guard. He had a D in game one. Okay. Okay. Tackle. He was a tackle. No, it's, it was bad. I understood. Yeah. I mean, this guy has had a really troubling two seasons for being Frank um, trial by fire at right tackle in his rookie season. Wasn't the expectation mm-hmm. from him to have to play that position. And, and uh, but out of necessity he did. And the uh, yeah, the outcome was not great. I mean, he's, he's been underperforming for a third round pick, I imagine. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's kind of where he's been. He's accumulated enough snaps to really say the guy's gotten an opportunity, which is unfortunate. He's, he's up close to 800 snaps in his career. And, I, you know, it's there are rookies who certainly get installed on day one and get to play right away. But there's a whole bunch of other guys who have to go through what he goes through as mid-round draft picks and try their hands at a couple of different positions when injuries occur to get their first opportunity. That's, in fact, what happened with him. And, and 
you know, it's just, unfortunately, it just, it really hasn't worked out. He, he split a lot of time with Fluker at right tackle in 2020. And that alternating that series. Yeah. yeah they, it, that really didn't work out. They, they couldn't, they, they were looking for anybody to develop a hot hand. And that really just never happened is the, yeah. is the unfortunate truth. Um, you know, one of the things about Tyree that I, I don't think people are talking about yet, but I, in my mind, he's on the bubble entering camp here. And if you're, if you're sitting on Tyree Phillips in year three, you've got one year of optionality left. Let's say you, you get to the end of camp and, and Ben Cleveland's won the starting job at left guard, which, by the way, Tyree will compete for. So he's got oh, a chance sure. to, to, to mm-hmm. you know, take that job. But if, if, you, if, if, if you're really looking at the glasses half empty component, I mean, he's not assured of a roster spot. Ben Powers, yeah, sure, he's, he's making $2.54 million. I think the Ravens would rather not pay it to a backup player. But on the other hand, if they think he's the more reliable lineman and they really just can't see the end of the tunnel for Phillips, even though Powers is in year four and Phillips is in year three, I, I could see them sticking with Powers. Yeah, they have a really interesting uh, nine lineman situation to, to pick from here. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at the roster as it stands right now, it kind of comes down to a couple of factors. Uh, Juwan James's uh, availability. Yeah, like mm-hmm. if he's good enough to to keep on the roster. Uh, you have Phillips. Mm-hmm. Cologne is a question mark. Um, so they, they are definitely loaded up, particularly in the in the interior linemen. And there's going to be an odd man out. I mean, people have been talking about powers being traded, but you're right. Uh, Tyree Phillips could be that guy. Uh, but like you said, at the same time, he totally has the opportunity to play for left guard. And honestly, the coaches like him. They clearly like him. They, right. They've given him every opportunity in the world to win the job and take over. And I think we were all a little surprised when he won the job last year over yeah. a guy like Cleveland. Now, I know Cleveland, I think he had a, a little bit of an injury in camp. Obviously, a rookie. Um, so but there's Powers that also played the year before. Oh, and, yeah. and, you know, he, he played okay, and it it did that didn't even seem reasonable. In, I mean, in he has the way. size and shape. I think yeah. they're just they're just enamored with the the physical traits, and they're like he can do it. But um, I just honestly, I just don't know if he has the the grit for it. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm trying to. I don't want to talk negatively about it, but I just I haven't been incredibly impressed by what he's offered so far, particularly for his his physical traits. You see the traits, you're like, it should be, it should be better than this. I I agree with that. That was, you know, one of the very first things I want to talk about is in terms of his improvement. The very first thing that comes to mind is that he really does, hasn't developed that good punch yet to make use of that exceptional length. And if he did that, that's what would make him a great right guard candidate to take Zeitler's place when, when he leaves. And this, people have to look at this contract realistically with Zeitler. It was a three-year deal originally, but it could easily be a three-to-make-two deal where Zeitler comes to the Ravens and says, hey, I'm retiring at the end of this year because he doesn't want to play out the last year of his deal. Uh, he, you know, For whatever reason, he may do it for leverage purposes. He may want to play on a two-year deal and can play on a series of two-year deals, which is pretty common for star players at the end of their careers. So yeah. I think it's, I think it's Yanda, of course, retired after the first year of a two-year deal. I think it's more, more likely that that ends up happening than he plays the, the, the last year of his contract. Be really terrific if he did. Be just wonderful if he played out his contract, you know, oh, in, sure. yeah. in, uh, in hopes of a, 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 you know, a much longer career or, a, you know, another big deal somewhere else. Uh, but but anyway, if Zeitler is gone at the end of 2022, then somebody's got to replace him. And Phillips really has a lot of the physical characteristics they covet. He's got that terrific length. You know, he's got ta- extraordinary yeah. tackle length of over 35 inches. And yeah. that that's the, what you want to dictate first contact and be able to torque that defensive tackle. 
Uh, he could stand to be, I think, Phillips, even though his bench was not bad for his length. I, I think he, he could really stand to be stronger, too. That's what I see in terms of his play, his functional play strength. Yeah, I think maybe that's the better way to put it, right? Like, I, that's what I was trying to get at is, like, despite the length and and maybe some of the other measurables, you just feel like the strength isn't all the way there, that he can get bullied. And um, that just shouldn't be happening with his length. It just it just shouldn't be happening. And in the interior, we might, might have a little bit of help. I I, I just I, I want more out of him. And uh, that's that's the big the big question is if he's going to be able to deliver it coming into 2022. Right. It should be harder to get a player like him off balance who has all that length advantage and the, you know, the really good size to play either inside or a tackle, you know, it, it should be harder to get him off balance, but he, but it gets off balance kind of like the way Villanueva seems to a lot where he's getting his feet together. He has kind of irregular steps. I just, I, I, I wish he was further along. Um, the other thing that, that I really want to see from Tyree, and I don't know if they can correct this, it may not be reasonable because certainly was not a particularly explosive athlete coming out of school is yeah. to get him a better first step. Uh, it, you know, not, he's not naturally explosive. I, I, I get that. Uh, but, but that's something that I think he'd be more effective as a lineman in terms of, of, of getting his hands up, getting in position, going for the armpit of that opponent more often. Uh, if, if he could, uh, you know, get out of his stance quicker. Uh, off the snap yes yeah that would also be a a major uh, improvement kind of for him and uh and uh, i mean i don't want to like preemptively talk about my thing but uh i think that's the big thing is i'd love to see him uh Mm -hmm. be able to demand starting time i mean i'm not married to having cleveland start there um but there's going to be a lot that has to be shown for that to be the case. And I think this will be the most interesting battle of camp uh, in a way. Oh, by far. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, a lot of the other positions, they're pretty clear how they're going to play out. And maybe you're looking at a rookie stepping up because of injuries or uh, other personnel packages. But most of the time, like a lot of the players are same players we've had before and, or they're bona fide starters. Like they, they got picked up to, to start and you, you expect that. So this is a very interesting battle uh, that will be going on. Maybe this and uh, and right Slot tackle. corner, slot yeah. corner. Uh, yeah. You got you got wherever Stevens ends up is going to be an interesting one. So whether whether maybe Stevens or Jalen Armour Davis ends up being the the next outside corner if yeah. Stevens isn't really playing slot corner, and then slot corner could be Demarion Williams and Ardarius Washington fighting it out in, in a battle of really untested commodities there that, that could be very interesting. Uh, I think I, I do think there's some interesting battles on the defense in terms of how they align. Some things we won't know from the preseason games will be, are they really going to go with all these multiple safety looks and take the inside linebackers off the field? We I, I presume that it's true because, hey, that's what I do. But we're talking about a new defensive coordinator here. We don't really know what his philosophy is going to be. We don't know how he's going to move the chess pieces around. We do know that he has three good safeties, but we really don't know how they'll be deployed. And we won't know in the preseason because he won't give it away before oh, sure. before that opening day game. Yeah. We're not fully find out until the Bills game. <laughs> I mean, uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see a lot. Don't get me wrong, but I think uh, that'll be the game that they anything that hasn't been shown yet uh, for that from the defensive perspective. I think that's the the day to show it. Probably, probably a pretty good. <laughs> Let me mention one more thing for, for Phillips before yeah. we go into the good and the great, and that is he needs to reduce his penalties. He's picking up. Uh, a little bit more than a penalty per hundred snaps, and and that's not a, a really acceptable level. You know, that's that'd be a, a, a if you're a full time regular, you'd be picking up ten or eleven penalties, and that's just too, too many. Um, I, I 
it's it's a variety of things and it hasn't been all holding penalties so far there was i think one hold and three five-yard penalties in that group. So uh, just needs to be careful. Don't be illegally downfield. While I want him to be faster on the snap, I don't want him to be false starting, which is that's a, a difficult ask there. I realize of conflicting <laughs> yeah. abilities. But uh, maybe we talk about what's a good year and what's a great year. I've got my good year here. Uh, do, do you want to go first? Sure. I mean, a good year for me is that he's on the roster and he provides um, very solid, good depth. Uh, he shows enough in the preseason that we say we want to keep you around and not only that um if an injury does occur either on honestly the left or right side you could be our go-to guy in that situation to fill in and we don't expect a big drop off like he just is a, a able body that can perform at a good level okay that's that is exceptionally reasonable and that's what i have to effectively but my exact words were make the team as an eighth offensive lineman because yep. I don't think that's that's given, meaning he's he's on the game day roster as an eighth offensive lineman. He's obviously got to make the roster as one of the nine offensive linemen. And usually it's going to be, I think it'll be a nine to make eight. And then the rest of it is never play because the line stays healthy other than an occasional lopsided relief appearances. And I think there'll be some of that this year. I think they, they may try and really cater to a player like Zeitler, try and keep him healthy and, and say, hey, look, this is what we do for our vets. And, you know, try and keep him around for the next year. But uh, he's he's a guy who should... I would think sub in some at left guard and right guard if the if the Ravens are able to uh, get ahead of some opponents and lean on them and you know we're talking like three touchdown lead yep. in the second half kind of thing that that they can uh, they can try some of these things. Um, imp- the other part of that is to improve his game with positional skills that make him an obvious choice to retain for year four to the coaches. It won't be obvious to us because we're not going to be seeing him playing. Yeah, but it'd be obvious to the coaches from his practice and, and and what he's done in terms of his punch and whatnot that that they want to keep him around for year four. I think that would be a good year. Yep, making a year four value is a, another great point. And I think um, the, I guess being the eighth lineman makes a lot of sense to me. And I I guess I just really want to see, I want to see a good battle. Is what mm-hmm. I'm getting at. Yeah, and 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 not to kind of fall off a cliff here just see more development. Yeah. He's, he's certainly, if he's going to make the, if he's going to get the starting job, I think he's really got to outplay Cleveland. It can't be close because Cleveland's, yes. you know, entering year two and he's entering year three and the, the, the option value obviously is significantly lower. Oh no, I just, I, I, my other thought was too, that um, for the lopsided things, I thought about that as well. I think that that'll be a, a Falele thing though. Um, yeah. I'd probably use him unless he's uh, the, the starter, but then you probably use uh, Moses. So I was thinking that, you know, just because of his monstrous frame and the fact they already have used him in college as a, a extra lineman. But yeah, sorry, go oh, ahead. Oh, I agree on, on the extra lineman. Falele is an incredible gadget player for the Ravens to have a lot of fun with. McCary should be a good sixth lineman if that's all they want is a blocker. But if you're down in goal line and you want to bring in Haloti Nada as the seventh <laughs> offensive lineman, we're thinking back to 2008 to 2010, you know, putting Falele in as that guy would would, I think, scare the hell out of whoever lines up opposite him <laughs> yeah, at, for on, sure. at that time. So that'd be yeah. fun. How about a great year for for Phillips? What would you want? Yeah, I mean, he takes over, right? He he mm-hmm. is the uh, left guard, and he he's a runaway success. Obviously, that brings some comparison to light, right? Like he that probably means that something happened with Cleveland that he didn't develop, um, or he gets or injured. Hurt. Yeah, yeah. But um, at the same time, you know. Cleveland has another year. He's younger and uh, Phillips doesn't. So if Phillips is able to make that big step and 
contribute uh, to be the starter and, and play at a uh, great level. Um, that's excellent. It'd be a big jump, but he has all the traits to do it. So that's the, that's the expectation. Yeah. And that's, I have exactly basically the same thing. Wins the left guard job, never gives it up with, with play at or above the 2021 powers level. So powers uh, honestly was not that bad last year. I know yeah. that I, I, that PFF does not agree with me on this. I, I don't agree with, with PFF's <laughs> overvaluation of Villanueva either. So I could just say that uh, right. uh, it, it, there are there are differences of opinion the here. Feeling in, is mutual. Play, yes. <laughs> so so uh, uh, anyway, I I would I it would be great if he would establish himself, win the job, and play at a level where it wasn't obvious that he that he gets replaced. And you know, I guess I'm with you in the in the sense that I. I don't really care who wins the job, but I do say, I still say the onus is on Tyree to win it from Cleveland based on the relative experience at this point that, that uh, Cleveland provides the, the Ravens much more option value down the line. And Phillips, if he, even if he plays, even if he satisfies the coaches of who he is, probably will still be on the bubble entering next year that he'll come to camp as, you know, one of the guys who's a potential cut. Uh, yeah. You know, who's we have to think about it's by the way, easiest article of the entire year to write is is one one I write during camp about about the bubble players because all you have to do literally sort the Ravens roster by their <laughs> years of experience. Look at the year three and year four guys. And yep. the, those guys are always really on the bubble because their option value is running out. One last thing I'll kind of bring up about it's sort of interesting about Phillips is it seemed like he was a very big favorite. Cause I remember him his name being a little bit of a surprise on draft day. So um, when he was drafted, you know, it just kind of felt like a, a favorite player of, you know, whoever might be the coaching staff or the, the scouts. And then the exact same thing happened the next year when they drafted Cleveland. They like love the guy. That's exactly, <laughs> exactly my, my, my thought as well. And it, it seemed to me in each case that it might've been Harbaugh who liked them both times. Cause Harbaugh yeah. definitely. I didn't Cleveland say that. Was Harbaugh, Harbaugh's I was guy. thinking yeah. it. <laughs> it's a Harbaugh yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah. I, the other guy who who really seemed more like a hardball guy than obviously a DaCosta guy was Duvernay. Oh yeah, uh, just the way that that things played out there, and uh, I I couldn't tell you on Brandon Phillips who was really behind that. DaCosta has been in his past has spoken in front of groups after the fact and made it clear who was Ozzy's guy and who was his. I think he's he's probably taken, you know, in, in taking the leadership role, he says, look. In my case, I, I'm responsible to pick no matter who it is. Even if Harbaugh bullies me into it, even if my you know next door neighbor keeps talking to me over the fence for three months about it, consecutively <laughs> about drafting this guy, I'm still the guy who has to turn in the card ultimately. And I, I I can't seem impotent in that situation, so I have to say, yeah, it's my guy, and and every pick is his guy. But before when Ozzy was the GM, he he made no bones about Devon Drew. Being uh, being Ozzy's guy, I remember that uh, one year, and uh, he's a tight end who didn't really work out. But uh, but anyway, interesting kind of a kind of a change, and I, I guess that's that's growing into management. Yeah, and I, I think the other thing that was funny about the whole Duvernay pick because I remember the exact same thing is that uh, Devin Asiasi, tight end for the Patriots, was picked right before, and they heard Devin, and they got nervous, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> Duvernay was the pick, um, and then they're like, "Oh, wait, it's not him!" So yeah. they were very excited. Uh, so that added to the. Uh, 
and the intrigue of that pick. They had Harbaugh. Harbaugh's uh, that was the COVID draft where everybody was isolated yep, at home, and, yeah. and so Harbaugh's at home, and and you know he's fist bumping, and they're capturing this on camera when they got the Devin the, the Duvernay pick in there. So I would assume if if he wasn't equivalently on board with the pick, it was it was actually his guy. So yeah. uh, anyway, very cool. Outstanding, Alec. Always fun to talk football with you. Another one of these these shows. I've really been a, really been enjoying the discussions on these expectations players. One of the good things about it is people get to pick the players who they really want to talk about. So so they often have some great insights. I appreciate what you what you brought to the table here. Yeah, tell folks tell folks where they can talk football with you. Sure. Yeah. So uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, usually Ravens Talk is on One Winning Pod, and uh, you can also find our show also called One Winning Pod. Um, we've been having a lot of fun with it. We're on, uh, all the podcast players and also YouTube now, uh, and we have a pretty cool show coming up next week. Uh, we're going to actually talk about a lot of the role players, not like exactly this series. Cause it's just going to be one show, but we want to talk about a lot of the players we're really intrigued about and want to hear the stories about OTA and we're hoping to actually have Ryan Mink on the show for it. So oh, that'd be cool. Be really, yeah. It'd be really fun. So, uh, hopefully it all works out. Hope I didn't just jinx it by saying it out loud, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's the plan. So check it out. All right. Very good. Other folks out there, if you'd like to do a film study short with me, I'd love to have you. Love talking football with anybody who's passionate about it. Uh, Give me a DM on Twitter. They're always open. I'm looking for a narrow topic. We can hit in depth in about 20 to 30 minutes. And if we go over, that's fine if it's a great, great conversation. But that's always ideal to provide some shorter content for folks who might be intimidated by the, the, the number of one hour shows we <laughs> produce and, the, and their lack of time in their commute. But uh, anyway, always appreciate ideas. I'll get back to you very quickly, I promise. Alec, thanks again for joining me. Of course. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.